Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Matt looks like a guy who shows photos of naked women to people at work? Yes. But do I think that he would have paid for sex? Yeah, definitely. But do I think that he's the kind of guy who would take ecstasy and have sex with an underage girl? Also, yes. So really, there's only one question left for Gates. Does he deny all of the charges or does he admit to everything and just become king of Florida? <laughs> oh, that's that is so wrong, Mister Noah. That story kind of went away. Kind of the fun went out of that story because I think most of America looked at him and thought, "Yeah, yeah, he seems like a guy who would do that." But, but the, here's the, kind of the 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 wonder of did he or didn't he didn't didn't last long with that story. I don't think. But here's your moral, the moral of the story, kids, because there is a a twist to the story, a serious twist. The moral of the story is when you start doing bad stuff and hanging out with bad people, your life gets complicated very quickly. Mm. One of the guys Matt Gates said was extorting him has come forward to say, yeah, yeah, we asked his dad for cash. That all is true. It wasn't a shakedown. The last thing it was was a shakedown. In fact, we told him, if you don't want to provide us with millions of dollars to free Robert Levinson, the former FBI agent who disappeared in Iran, if you don't want to give us that money, you'll never hear from me again. We'll part as friends. But all of that stuff happened. That $25 million, was it a shakedown, was it not? This guy, Bob Kent, met with old man Gates and, and asked for the money. Now, that doesn't really... Oh, and, and they did somehow know that there was an investigation into Matt Gates for the, the sleeping around with hookers and underaged girls. So, man, what a tangled web. So, a couple of things we'll get to this hour. The the Chauvin trial continues to go on. He's in uh, big trouble, and, and should be. Um, as all of his bosses and superiors have now taken the stand and said nothing that he did there was what we're trained to do. That was all kinds of wrong and bad. Yeah, um, and while it's important to to reserve judgment until you hear the defense's case, I'm sitting here, I, I can't even imagine what the defense's case is going to be. You got the chief, you got the chief training officer saying, no excusing that, absolutely not justified by our training, and in fact it goes against everything we stand for. Oh, hello. Um, Also, Baylor won the NCAA championship for men's basketball last night. Did you get a chance to watch any of that, or were you feeling too junky? I didn't watch any of... I haven't seen a second of basketball. And I wish I would have. I missed out on several great games. Baylor leapt out to, I think it was a 9 to nothing lead, and never looked back. It was never close. The um, Gonzaga got it within 10 at halftime, and I thought, all right, here we go. This is It's a movie. It's a movie. The hero is down, but he's not out. Now, the final act, and the final act was they never got close. Um, I wish I'd have watched several of the games that I read about, but the NCAA Women's Championship game was emceed by our own Jamie Coffey, who used to be our news person. No kidding. That's and, fantastic. Uh, she was the voice for the uh, the championship game for a women's the- the NCAA. The, the PA? Public yeah. address yeah. announcer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for Jamie. Good yeah. for you. Very cool. That's awesome. Um, oh, I was going to mention Charles Barkley had some things to say about the state of America and, uh, and politics and whatnot around that. So we'll get to that later this hour. I was wanting to talk about Clarence Thomas and him getting involved and the Supreme Court getting involved in social media, but 
talking about Matt Gates reminded me of something else. So I'll do that. Uh, so Matt Gates, Congressman Florida, Pompadour, pretty well known because he um, he and he wrote about this in his book. Who knew he had a book that if you're not getting on TV, you're not governing. And so there's been a bit of a conversation going on among a punditry uh, for a while now about what does this mean? This idea that these AOCs, the same sort of thing, exactly the same sort of thing. These young Congress people that come in that see their job as getting on TV, getting on social media, stirring it up, being well known and being rock stars around certain issues, having no time to spend or, or caring about actual legislation, which is what they are. They're legislators. Mm-hmm. And. I had been thinking that uh, clearly the, the the right side of the argument is these are legislators; they're not supposed to be pundits, and the uh, you know eventually that'll go away. Well, so John Boehner, former Speaker of the House, Orange drinks wine and smokes. Do you remember him taking a nap? Yeah, <laughs> that's our favorite John Boehner clip. Taking a nap. Taking a nap. And where was where was he taking a nap? Taking a nap. Anyway, he's got a book out, and he's blasting people left and right. But here's one segment of the book that I thought was fascinating. And the last sentence is the clincher. Oh, yeah. Here we go. He's talking about Michelle Bachman. Do you remember her? She was a uh, from Minnesota and ended up running for president. She got swept in as a young firebrand with the whole Tea Party movement. And she was like an AOC Matt Gates type of person that was all about going on the TV shows. Matt Gates, politically speaking, not lifestyle. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Boehner calls the former Minnesota congresswoman who ran for president in 2012 a lunatic <laughs> who embodied the ability of right wing media to make people who used to be fringe characters into powerful media stars. Boehner, and this is happening on the left also, CAOC and others. Sure. Uh, Boehner writes that Bachman wanted to be placed on the powerful House Ways and Committee, Ways and Means Committee, and that he turned her down. So she shows up as a freshman, wants to get on one of the most powerful committees, most important committees in all of Congress, um, where you don't, you have to work your way up to that. You get put on stuff that you don't care about to start with. He snubbed um, out his sig and said, not happening. Now I'm quoting from his book. Her response to me was calm and matter of a fact. Well, then I'll just have to go talk to Sean Hannity and everybody at Fox, she said, and Rush Limbaugh and Mark Levin and everybody else on the radio and tell them that this is how John Boehner is treating the people who made it possible for the Republicans to take back the House. I wasn't the one with the power, she was saying. I just thought I was. She had the power now. She was right, of course. Oh. How about that? Yeah. Well, it's so true. So that's John Boehner, the Speaker of the freaking House, third in line to the President. Same way, same way Nancy Pelosi's been treating AOC. No, you think you've got the power? You don't. John Boehner says he, she was right. She has wow. the power. Those people have the power now. What we've got to decide as a country is whether we think that's a good idea or not. But John Boehner's saying it out loud. Nancy's not, but she probably will write a book someday in which she'll talk about how AOC and that crowd had way more power than she wanted them to have or thought they deserved. 
Well, I'm certain it's a bad thing for the country. <laughs> I've it's seen hard to enough. imagine how it wouldn't be. Yeah, and this is a First Amendment impossibility. Impossibility, but I would like to see a a doctrine, a set of rules similar to most courtrooms. Uh, no cameras in Congress. You're not allowed to go on camera. You're not allowed to show any hearings. It's got to all be conducted quietly and boringly in secret. And you've just got to be a legislator. But that'll never happen. I mean, partly because it's the people's house and we ought to know what's going on. But, yeah, the whole showboating thing was like with the OJ trial. A little judge, Ito, he had no idea that everybody would start showboating and he would lose control. Speaker Boehner saying, she was saying to me, I wasn't the one with the power. I just thought I had the power. She had the power now. She was right, of course. That is. You want to shag a little bit. That's what we'll do. I thought Take that, a nap. I, I thought that was really interesting. <laughs> was that a booty call? So he comes to find out that these people that go on all the shows and make the noise, they they do they they got some oomph. Not all change is progress. So how I, do we weather this storm? How do we get through it? I, I think, do not know. I think what will have to happen is you'll have to have you'll. Uh, and Paul Ryan would fall into that crowd, too. He thought he could quietly legislate and just be, you know, the Speaker of the House. No, sorry, it doesn't work that way anymore. So I I think you'll have to have Speakers of the House. Maybe that's why it works better for Nancy. You have to have Speakers of the House who are also good at Twitter and going on all the shows. Nancy's been good, good at going on the shows her whole career. Good morning. Not so good anymore. Sunday morning. (laughs) Yeah, she's getting a little long in the tooth. Yeah, I'd say. Uh, but or or the radical, I don't know if centrist is the right word, but somebody who is not Michelle Bachman nor AOC, but is super charismatic. I mean, Ronald Reagan was a great example of this. Now, the media at the time cast him as some sort of right wing, super right, super villain, which was ridiculous. He was a, a moderate and cheery guy. Um, we need somebody with the social media chops and the charisma who is reasonable and, and a deal maker in a good way. I'd love him, obviously, to, to be able to pull America rightward for my own reasons, but uh, Marco Rubio is trying to be that guy right now, and he's close. I don't think he's there. Uh, but he's been, uh, for instance, Rubio's been great on the, the All-Star Game controversy. He's been killing it. So NBA Hall of Famer Charles Barkley had some comments about the world as it is. Uh, as he was broadcasting the Final Four. Also, we got a teacher who showed, showed the George Floyd death as part of a class and has stirred up some controversy around that. we got a bunch of things we can talk about. I hope you can stay here. I think today's professional athletes are acting incredibly responsibly. I would strongly support them doing that. People look to them. They're leaders. Look at what's happened with the NBA as well. Look at what's happened across the board. The very people who are victimized the most are the people who are the leaders in these, in these various sports. And it's just not right. This is Jim Crow on steroids, what they're doing in in Georgia and 40 other states. Man, I can't believe he's getting away with saying that without more pushback. 
That's obscene. You you made a good point earlier about when anybody compares something to the Holocaust, there's tremendous pushback. No, don't you dare claim something's as bad as the Holocaust or leading toward that. It trivializes the Holocaust. It makes it a talking point as opposed to a horror of history. And this does trivialize what Jim Crow was all about. It wasn't a couple of restrictive voting laws where you couldn't vote past 5 o'clock. Which isn't true anyway. (laughs) Which turns out not to be true anyway. No, this was a, if you try to vote, they're going to hang you from a tree outside of town to make it clear to everyone else, don't you try to vote. We we talked about this. And he says that these new rules are are considerably worse than that. Yeah. How outlandish is that? And that and then the president saying that uh, he was responding to you. Do you think Major League Baseball ought to move the All Star Game out of Georgia, which they eventually did? Now I don't want to get too convoluted here before we get to uh, Charles Barkley, um, NBA Hall of Famer. Fairly outspoken. He was talking about um, a, a whole bunch of different things during the NCAA Final Four coverage, and he got into this. Yeah, but the one thing I took out of that piece was, man, I think most white people and black people are great people. I really believe that in my heart. But I think our system is set up where our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are designed to make us not like each other so they can keep their grasp of money and power. They divide and conquer. I truly believe in my heart most white people and black people are awesome people, but we're so stupid following our politicians, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. And their only job is, hey, let's make these people not like each other. We don't live in their neighborhoods. We all got money. Let's make the whites and blacks not like each other. Let's make rich people and poor people not like each other. Uh, let's let's scramble the middle class. I truly believe that in my heart. Uh, that's uh, as good a commentary and punditry on the topic as I've heard. Indeed. And, you know, there's a danger in getting so far into the weeds when you're yelling at each other over these things. You forget about how the vast majority of Americans think and feel and live their lives. It's it's not screeching talking points at each other. It's it's meeting after school and it's working together and then going to each other's kids' ball games. I appreciate that from Chuck. I actually heard somebody said on ABC this week when they got into this. Chris Christie was was trying to point out, look, uh, what Joe Biden's claiming is not true, and that's well documented. Go ahead, go to the Washington Post and look at the fact checker. They gave Joe Biden. Four Pinocchios. That means it's a flat-out lie when Joe Biden said, and not stopping voting at 5 o'clock. That's outrageous. This is Jim Crow on steroids. It's just a lie. It just it never happened. But somebody on that panel actually said, well, it has to be It has to be bad. The proof that it's bad is that they had moved the All-Star game. They wouldn't have moved the All-Star game if it wow. weren't horrible. Wow. That's what we call circular logic, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is something. We talked about this at length earlier, but just I'll give you the short version of it. And I actually took the time to look this stuff up to make sure it's true. So they moved the All-Star game from Georgia, and Marco Rubio did absolutely blast that decision in a letter. I've got some of that for you in a minute. But uh, they moved it to Colorado, Denver specifically. Uh, Colorado, whose voting laws are remarkably similar to Georgia and absolutely not less restrictive or more liberal. 
They are virtually the same. Then you have uh, Delaware, Joe Biden's home state, demonstrably more restrictive than Florida's in most, I'm sorry, than Georgia's in most ways. His home state. Has he called Delaware worse than Jim Crow? Jim Crow on steroids? No, not so much. Major League Baseball, headquartered in New York City, New York, New York, New York State, very similar voting laws to Georgia. Practically no real difference. If anything, New York is more restrictive than Georgia. This is all built on a lie. And then you've got Marco Rubio saying the decision to move the All-Star game will have a bigger impact on countless small and minority-owned businesses in and around Atlanta than the new election law ever will, and that the move reeks of hypocrisy. Quote, will Major League Baseball now end its engagement with nations that don't hold elections at all, like China and Cuba? Will you end your lucrative financial relationship with Tencent, a company with deep ties to the Communist Party and actively helps the Chinese government hunt down and silence political dissidents? Since Major League Baseball now appears eager to use its platform to demonstrate unwavering support for fundamental human rights, will you cease your relationship with the Chinese government, which at this very moment is committing genocide against the Uyghur Muslims in uh, in Xinjiang, uh, autonomous region, etc.? He said it's an easy way, this all-star game thing is an easy way to signal virtues without significant financial fallout, but that speaking out against the Chinese Communist Party, of course, would involve a significant loss of revenue and being closed out of a lucrative market. Then he, you know, he goes on with some detail, but just absolutely blasts him. And then he absolutely taunted Rob Manfred, the commissioner of baseball, saying, Similarly, I am under no illusion that you intend to resign as a member from Augusta National Golf Club. To do so would require a personal sacrifice, as opposed to the woke corporate virtue signaling of moving the All-Star game from Atlanta. I thought that was a good shot right there. Nice spank in there from little Marco. Um, No early voting in China. It's documented. Go ahead. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. All the big Democrats were against moving the All-Star game out, too. All the, all the big Georgia Democrats. That is correct. Yep. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Some entertainment news. Godzilla vs. Kong set a pandemic record after making over $48 million in its first five days. Wow. I know what you're thinking. It's just an ape and a lizard beating the crap out of each other for two hours. But, actually, it's exactly what it is. And that's what we want. We need that. Come on. Something I don't have to think about. Yeah, it's about an ape and a lizard fighting. And you know someone's going to leave the movie like, eh, I thought there were some plot holes. I wish it was an hour of uh, ape versus lizard fighting and you left the plot out because the plot was stupid (laughs) and tiring. (laughs) My son uh, reviewed it in glowing terms. He liked the gloriously stupid. Wow. Gloriously stupid and ape v lizard uh, horrific. The uh, Babylon Bee with a hilarious piece. Excuse me. Allergies killing me as always. Ah, uh, da da da. 
Um, but COVID wasn't what scared me in the theater. It was the lack of a progressive agenda on the screen as we watched a monkey and a lizard punch each other. With so much potential for in-your-face social messaging on progressive issues, Godzilla vs. Kong utterly failed to explore Godzilla's thoughts on the greater social injustices of our day. Sure, we know Godzilla's stance when it comes to fighting for the fate of Earth, but why haven't we explored his take on the pandemic, gender identity, Georgia's voter law, and the ease of access to government-funded abortion? And it goes on in that vein for several minutes. We will post it from the Babylon Bee at armstrongandgetty.com. You mentioned allergies. I came across an article in the New York Times and the Washington Post over the weekend. As millions across America, including myself, are feeling pretty crappy and trying to figure out, do I have the COVID? Is it because I just got the shot? Or is it because it's allergy season or a mixture of all three? Who knows? Um. But it is a tough time if you've got these symptoms to try to nail down what it is, because the three million people a day are getting the shot. Could be that. Allergies are the worst period of the year. Could be that. And there's a disease floating around that gives you exactly the same symptoms. Right. Could be that. If I was a super rich guy. That's right, Cardi. (laughs) If I was a super rich guy, I'd have a doctor on staff, and I would just wander into his office occasionally and say, hey, what do you think of this? He'd be like, oh, yeah, sorry, I was reading a book. Yes, sir. Mr. Getty, sir. A guy claims he found a bullet in his flaming Hot Doritos or Cheetos. One of the two. Uh, I don't know if he did or not. It's uh, Recently, with the shrimp being found in the Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Allegedly. People have uh, found out that it's a good way to become famous. So, I don't know. I'm skeptical of any of those stories. Shrimp and Bullets is the name of my new Cajun metal band, by the way. <laughs> we have a, a fiddle and a washboard and uh, five guitars. So I don't know this Ellie Mistel woman, Ellie Meistel. Anyway, she writes for The Nation, which is a super lefty publication. And she wrote, Clarence Thomas, that would be the African-American conservative Supreme Court justice she's referring to. Clarence Thomas is always looking for ways to make things a little easier for white supremacists. (laughs) That's some good journalism there. And it's because of the way he comes down on some of the uh, arguments that are happening right now around your social media platforms. And it is complicated, and I don't know what it's gonna, where it's gonna end up, but, but for instance, Justice Thomas said, I think just today, has said that sooner or later the courts are gonna have to rule on Twitter. So this particular conversation started in June of 2017. Was it that long ago? Man, time flies. When Donald Trump blocked some Twitter trolls who were criticizing his tweets. Hmm. Trump blocked him on his Twitter account. The next month, Columbia University had uh, sued the president, alleging that blocking them on Twitter violated their First Amendment rights. As he is a government figure. So the president of the United States, who has 90 million followers on Twitter, which is a public platform, blocked them. So he had violated their First Amendment rights. Well, it's a private platform. Well, is it? It's a public-private Private that's public. what we're trying to figure out. That's why Clarence Thomas says, says sooner or later we're going to have to get to the, the the get to this. The key question is whether Trump's almost ninety million following uh, follower Twitter account was an official public space where Trump would be subject to accusations he violated their First Amendment rights. The federal district court ruled against the president, declaring that Twitter is a public forum and that at real Donald Trump was under government control. Thus, Trump violated their First Amendment rights. 
The appeals court said that there was overwhelming evidence that Trump's Twitter account was an official government space. So there it was. At real Donald Trump was an official government space. Then in 2020, Trump asked the Supreme Court to decide the case, but at that point, there was no doubt where the court stood. At real Donald Trump was a public government space. But then this happened. On January 8th, 2021, two days after the Capitol riot, Twitter permanently suspended at real Donald Trump. The president was thrown off Twitter forever, which raised the question, if Trump's Twitter account was an official public government space, how could a private company, Twitter, shut it down? There's a clear contradiction between what the courts were saying about Trump's account and what Twitter did. What gives? And that's where we're headed with the Supreme Court. That is really interesting. I read a kind of scholarly account of this, and it was interesting, but it, it didn't pose it that starkly. Yeah, something's got to give there. I well, have sure. a feeling. It's judges, and, and you know, with all due respect to my lefty friends, conservatives prize fair procedures, fair frameworks for deciding things. And sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. But if it was fairly adjudicated, well, what are you going to do? There are liberal judges who just want the answer. They want the result, and they will get that result no matter how they have to torture logic or, you know, play both sides of the coin in those two examples. That is a really interesting question. So do you understand what's going on there? They said Trump couldn't block people because it's a First Amendment thing in a public space. But Twitter threw him off with 90 million followers. Still as the sitting president. Because they don't like the stuff he says. They, though, obviously, those two things can't go together, can they? Or can they? Or, or is the argument simply, in the first case, the government was silencing people. In the second case, a private company is silencing people. And the second is an example of the culture of free speech getting trampled. Why couldn't? Because <clears throat> Twitter has no governmental power. Let me uh, let me share this with you while you're so. If Trump it. wasn't president, obviously he can block anybody he wants. Yes, correct. The day he leaves office, he can do whatever he wants with his account. And now, while he's while he's running, if Twitter let him on, he should be able to block anybody he wants. But the second he becomes president, he can't block people. Yes, that's my understanding of it. So what Thomas was writing, he was r- ruling for a writ of certiori. And sometimes when I'm tense, I'll just I'll file a writ of certiori just to relax. But it was the case of President Joe Biden versus Knight First Amendment Institute at Columbia University. Thomas concurred in an opinion, sending the court back uh, the case back to the court, saying it was moot now that Biden is in the White House. There's no reason to adjudicate it anymore. Trump's not around anymore. Um, and it, uh, it, it the, the case was more or less the way Jack described it. Uh, but then Thomas went on to say, I write separately to note that this petition highlights the principal legal difficulty that surrounds digital platforms, namely that applying old doctrines to new digital platforms is rarely straightforward. Thomas went on to outline a blueprint for breaking up protections that enable corporate tech monopolies to engage in widespread censorship frequently in one direction. They write in the Federalist. The conservative justice's argument rests primarily on the monopoly power big tech conglomerates possess in Silicon Valley. Uh, it seems rather odd, he writes, to say that something is a government forum when a private company has unrestricted authority to do away with it. The disparity between Twitter's control and Mr. Trump's control is stark, to say the least. Today's digital platforms provide avenues for historically unprecedented amounts of speech, including speech by government actors. Also unprecedented, however, is the concentrated control of so much speech in the hands of a few private parties. Well, in and this that- case, one human being... St- 
stopped the president of the United States from talking to 90 million people. That just seems right. it seems like that can't be. It seems dangerous. Um, at the, and then he hammered Amazon talking about how uh, an author can the difference between an author and his ideas reaching millions of eyes, perhaps, and hundreds is the decision of Mark of uh, Jeff Bezos. Yeah, and we specifically that'd be like that book about um, when Harry became Sally. Trans right exactly. decisions. Then Thomas noted that Google is the gatekeeper between users and speech with power over 90% of Internet searches. Quote, it can suppress content by de-indexing or downlisting a search result or by steering users away from certain content by manually altering altering autocomplete results, which has been demonstrated several times. It's it's a cre- it's a really really interesting question. Now, oh, and then they mentioned that uh, that Amazon took down a PBS documentary about Clarence Thomas. Right. So he himself has been on the receiving end. But I am really uncomfortable whenever the government gets involved in the free exchange of ideas, even if it's the the abuse of the free exchange of ideas by corporate giants. I just I fear giving them the power to start meddling in that It'll be as a, a liberty-loving man. But his point is right. At some uh, at some juncture in the future, the Supreme Court is going to have to take this stuff up and, and jaw about it. So it's just going to take, take the right case getting there. Yeah. That'll be a fun one to watch, too. Yeah, I would agree. And of enormous impact. But, you know, if you just like sit around, uh, sitting around thinking about complicated stuff, this is a great one. If Bezos... Uh, Pinchai, is that his name? Uh, Sundar Pinchai, yeah. Pinchai of Google, and then Zuckerberg, and and the poor starving Jack Dorsey of Twitter, (laughs) assuming he lives out the week. Um, If they all got together for a particular end, and uh, and getting Joe Biden elected probably was that end, and it's already happened, they wield power that the kings of old that the nuclear-armed nations of the current day could only dream of wielding. And we absolutely ought to understand the implications of that, even if the government ends up staying out of it. Hmm. The economy is rebounding. Taco Bell's planning to hire 5,000 workers. As go Taco Bell, goes the economy. Uh, they're not going to find anybody. Before. No, they I was aren't. talking to a guy the other day. Just can't find anybody to hire. What was his uh, thinking as to why? Um, people just don't want to fully invest in work. They don't want to get a career. They don't want to get a serious gig. Anybody who's not working at this point is either of a certain high skill level, and they're trying to reattach at that high level, which is fine. I get that. Or they're just people who are getting enough government benefits. They They don't want to work hard. Yeah. That's going to have to get worked out, too. I mean, if somebody else has a better explanation, go ahead and, and, and offer it up, because I'm not work talking about sucks. some Work crap. sucks. <laughs> Sean's, Sean's idea is work sucks. Not work. I like not working better than working. I'm not talking some crappy, low-paying jo- job, either. It's good, good work. You know it's good? Not working. Not working's good. I think I would go insane. I, I know I would. I know I would. I would have to find something. I, I would work at something out. else. But on a but on a but on a one day, it's it's like a lot of things in life. But uh, where where uh, in general, um, uh, but I can use being a parent is w- way better for my life. 
Mm-hmm. But you know, on you can partic- pick a particular afternoon where not having children would be more fun. <laughs> oh yes, you know, you know. Ah yes, indeed. You can look at it that way with work too. In general, I would go nuts if I didn't have a job and a purpose and all that sort of stuff. But like this morning, not feeling very good. I would have loved to not have a job. Mm, I just appreciate till, you showing up. I'd have just slept till two in the afternoon. Um. Just because people are getting educated at home and not at school doesn't mean they've done away with shooter drills. Yeah. What? 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 What is right? That story and other stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. And Patterson will put the brakes on and dribble this one out. And the Baylor Bears do indeed bear down to knock off the unbeaten Gonzaga Bulldogs and claim the school's first men's basketball championship. Baylor 86, Gonzaga 70. Bear down? Yeah. Mm. It was a blowout. He wasn't inspired. As a as it would be were a bear to take on a bulldog. It would not no. be close. You know, unfortunately, we weren't on the air. And Sean could have predicted this yeah. outcome with his mascots battle to the death computer model. But we took the day off like be- lazy bastages. <laughs> So I was reading earlier from this uh, funny, funny Babylon B uh, review of the King Kong versus Godzilla, and uh, um, and then of course there's always been the nagging, unanswered question of Godzilla's sexuality. They're mad because there were no social messages in the movie. The nagging, unanswered question. Certainly, it's been hinted at here and there, teeming under the surface with cryptic but obvious signs to those who are paying attention. Godzilla is gay, by the way, but never a definitive answer. It's beyond frustrating. With the audience left wondering, I was forced to loudly shout, Godzilla is gay, at the screen. And in a two-hour spectacle, isn't there any room for a 20-minute scene in which the characters discuss white supremacy and unconscious bias? Funny piece. Again, we posted it at armstrongandgetty.com, or we will in a second. But this all leads up to, I first saw James Lindsay public menace to society, his current Twitter handle, um, tweeting the story that this Portland school, uh, which had already changed its name from Woodrow Wilson High School to uh, Ida B. Wells Barnett High School, was contemplating changing its mascot from the Trojans to the Evergreens. They're there in the middle of Oregon. The Evergreens are everywhere. There's a hole in the sky where a tree once stood. No, different, different story completely. <laughs> And uh, they're just about to have the vote when uh, Board of Director Michelle DePass shared community concerns of an unwanted correlation between Ida B. Wells, historic black activist, Pulitzer Prize winning journalist who documented and crusaded against lynching. Great. But that's uncomfortable because a tree, an evergreen, could conjure up reminders of people hanging with ropes from branches. What? I'm wondering if there was any concern with the imagery there and using a tree as our mascot, she asked. I think everyone comes with blind spots, and I think that might have been really a blind spot. Never mind that, I mean, if you're going to go there, I, I don't think you could possibly have any mascot. 
ever. It's a tree. And then how it's am a, I going to figure out who wins the championship? But exactly, exactly. So uh, Leo Terrell, friend of the Armstrong and Getty Show, civil rights uh, lawyer, responded. To, go ahead and clip forty. This uh, subject bothers me a lot. I've been a civil rights attorney for thirty years. I've taught U.S. history for seven years. I've never had a client complain that a tree is racist. I never had a case that deals with a tree being racist. It devalues true racism in this country. When I taught U.S. history, this was never a sticking point. I never heard of a state or a local municipality complaining about a tree having a historical negative racist view because of lynching. This is the viewpoint of some person who used social platform for 15 minutes of fame. I want to see the victims who are actually complaining about a tree being associated with lynching. It does not exist, and it has to be brought out and challenged. And I'm challenging whoever raised that issue. Show us the factual data. So another board member who's an African-American told the school board, well, we did talk about it. We were looking at the symbolism more as a tree of life than death. You could certainly take it either way, depending on your position. Your position is a crazy person. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Lynching trees typically are not evergreens, he added, saying deciduous trees with large lower branches oh, were typically, oh, good Lord. Wow. Wow. How about we call ourselves the Bears? Mm, not comfortable with that. Not comfortable. Harry gay men might feel like, you know, it's a, it's, it's an insult to them and their lifestyle. All right. All right. How about the the Bobcats? That sounds male. Bobcat. Bob. The, the Bob. It's, it's a binary thing. It's, it's forcing gender on. Oh, God. Please do not use oh. gendered language to... C- to address everyone. How about we to... call the basketball players the basketball players? Well, I don't know. <laughs> you know what? Y'all just eat each other, okay? Ideologically speaking. And let us know when you're done. Okay? Racist trees. Um, hour four. We do need to get to this live shooter training. Since they don't have schools, you're supposed to do it at home, at your own home. Uh, no. Among other things, we need to get to. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty.